What we're looking at is something different because what the angel did is he, he said, this is what God is going to do. Is anything impossible for God? So the real question is, is anything that God says he will do, is that impossible for him? No matter how unlikely, no matter how strange, no matter how impossible it may be for us to even understand how it would happen, is anything impossible for God that he says he will do? Is it, is it possible? And that's what I want to look at with you this morning in Luke chapter 1, um, verse 39. Now, before I do that, I want to pray one more time because I think it's going to be important. What we're going to look at is that we have a hard time believing that certain things are possible for God to do. We do. It's just hard. But God wants to help you believe by sending his Holy Spirit to help you. Now, again, a lot of churchy stuff there. So just bear with me because I think there's something that you're going to see here that has encouraged me all week, and I just want you to see it and go through the next week with it in your heart. So just pray with me one more time. Lord, we come before you, and I just ask that you would help us to see what you're doing, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit to just proclaim what's going on in your word, and that by being filled with the light of your love, Lord, it would flow out and they would see. This can't, I can't do this, God. I cannot make them see. It's impossible for me to do this. But this is possible for you to do. And so I pray that you would do it for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's the story. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. There she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her would be accomplished. You guys notice that last little sentence. Blessed is the one that believes that what God said he will do, he will do. Blessed is that person. So what does that word mean, blessed? Because we hear that, and it really has this kind of vague religious connotation to it. We don't use that word in our normal, like, you know, conversation. Like, man, that girl, blessed is she. Like, if you do that, we probably don't hang out. And that's okay. The reality is that our culture does say this. They just don't use that word. So let's say you're at work, and there's something that your company wants you to do. Like, there's a quarterly sales goal, or there's a promotion on the line, or there's a bonus coming. Your whole company is doing this. They're saying, hey, listen, here's what you got to do, because <laughs> the carrot, right? You know, blessed is the one who achieves this. And, and the person that gets it, like, at the end of the quarter, everybody sits back, and they're like, hey, good job. You know, like, Blessed is, I want to be that person. I want that thing. Now, if that's not you, maybe you're scrolling through TikTok and someone has something that you don't have. Maybe it's a Stanley Cup. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a, a home. Maybe it's an experience that, that they got to go to. Maybe it's a college that, that, got, that they got into that you didn't. And that feeling that you get when you're like, oh, cool. Blessed is that person. I wish I had that. Maybe for you, you're in an older stage of life where you've got children that are grown and they're not as successful as maybe some of your friends. Maybe that's in a variety of different ways. Maybe it's in the grandkids department where you're like, man, if I just had grandchildren, that's the good life. That's the life that would be satisfying and fulfilling. That's what I want. The good life, the blessed life, 
That's what God is extending to us. Now, it's one thing for us to have an estimation of that. Be like, man, if I had this, life would be good. It's another thing for God to set all of those things down, lift up one thing and say, no, no. In my estimation, if you had this one thing, blessed is the man. Or in this case, blessed is the woman. Now, what is that? If I had a third hand, I'd be like, what is that thing, okay? What is that? In this estimation, to believe that God will do what he says he will do, this is the good life. If you had nothing else, if everything else was different, if everything else was uncomfortable, if everything else was unsettled, if everything else was gone, but you had this, mm, blessed is that part, you want this. That's what God is saying to us here. That's, that's weird because that's not what I would answer. Like if you were asking me, hey, what's the good life? I would probably, I mean, maybe eventually I'd get to that point, but this is what's extended to us by the Holy Spirit through Elizabeth this morning. So, the question that we have to ask again is, is anything impossible for God? Will he do anything that he says he will do? Is it possible? Well, the person who believes that, that answer is yes. The consequences are blessedness, the good life. To believe that God will say he will do anything he says he will do. So an important question to ask beyond that is, do you believe this? And before you answer, I'm going to answer for you. No, no, you do not. <laughs> Profoundly, you do not. It's, just, it's okay, I don't, you don't. It's okay, we're here together. No. Now, you might be offended now, so it, it, maybe your answer is probably closer, for me, it's a little closer to, like, do you believe God can do anything? Yes. You know, like a little question mark on the end of that? And if maybe you're still disagreeing, then, then tell me if you've ever said a sentence like this. I know, listen, I know God has said this. I just, that equation is the mathematical equation for you don't believe something about God. And it's okay. This is a place where we can wrestle with our doubts. We can wrestle with our faith. That's okay. But we need to understand that that is falling short of the blessed life according to this equation. What we should land at is God has said, full stop, period, exclamation point, underline, bold, highlight, yay. And we don't. <laughs> if you fall anywhere before that, you're having a hard time believing. But the really good news this morning is that God has a solution for your inability to believe, your struggle to believe, your uh, weakness of belief. He has a solution, and it's not try harder. It's totally different. And that's what I want to show you is good news in this story. That's what was good news to me this week as I looked over this. So why do we have a hard time believing that God will do what he says he will do? Well, um, imagine with me, uh, you are about 20 or 30 feet underwater, okay? You're in like a lake or an ocean. It's nighttime. The waves are crashing over the top. You're swimming, and you're a fish. It would be very difficult for you in that moment for me to convince you that there are stars. It would be even more difficult for me to convince you that you were created to soar among them, to fly up the mountain, to gaze upon them and dwell with them forever and eventually ascend to where they are. You'd be like, probably not. 
why would it be difficult for you to believe that? Why is it hard for you to believe that? Well, your environment, the, what you're surrounded by is these currents and this pressure and these movements all around you that result in, by its very nature, a muting, a deafening, a blinding of the things that are going on above it. This is what the Bible refers to as the world, like capital W, or the worldliness. And it's not a new thing. It's not something that happened in the last 10 years. It has nothing to do with politics. This has been around since the fall of mankind into sin. This is what it means to live in a broken world. So I'm going to put it this way. Our culture is godless in the same way that the ocean 30 feet down is starless. By its very nature, it just does not accept those things that are light. It doesn't, it doesn't get there naturally. And if that is where we are, no wonder it's hard for us to believe the things that God says. We're tossed and moved by these currents all the time. Now, we also live in a world where there's lots of other fish that swim up behind us and say things like, hey, you know there's actually no stars and there is no sky. And in fact, air, the thing that will kill us all, yeah, that doesn't exist either. All that there is is all that there is. We live in a world of science, of naturalism, of knowing that everything I can taste, feel, uh, see, and touch, that is what is true. And it's not. There's something above this world, something that is not really caring what you think about it, if it exists or not. It's there. Now, the second reason it's hard for us to believe the things of God is because we are swimming. That is, in fact, what is natural for us to do in the world. We swim in it. Now, in biblical terms, we could call this sin, doing the things that are against God's commands. The actions of living in this world are natural to it, even if there's a God above that is commanding you to fly. All we do is swim because that's what we do because, third, we're fish. By nature, we are not just people that do things that are against God's commands to fly. We are incapable of doing some of those things that God commands. He says fly, and we say fish. We can't do certain things that he commands of us. And this is actually, I think, why some people have perhaps a legitimate feeling of, of, uh, of anxiety and anger towards a God who would judge them. Like, like it's it, it, this God standing on the mountain saying, fly to me, and we're like, for real? Like, that's religion? That sounds fun. And one, it's not, but two, I get it. There is, it's hard to believe that a fish could change into a bird and fly because we cannot change who we are. And this is the other response. We can try, right? Like, we can swim up to the surface. We can try and hang out with other birds. Like, we can do birdish things. But reality sets in. If you really try too long, eventually you're going to find that if you actually obtained the thing you were, bra you were looking for, if you broke the surface, it would kill you. Y you can't live there. And this is why people get so frustrated with the, the trying and the doing of the, the commands of God without first being helped by him or changed by him. And that's not what I want for you this morning. What I want you to see is that there is another much more wonderful solution. See, God is very committed to the fishing industry, but not to catch you and cut you and devour you, not to end you, to free you. He will have to catch you first. He has to capture you and take you out of the place that uh, you are comfortable with and take you into a place that you would otherwise die. But when he does that, as he pulls you from the water, he transforms you into a bird and throws you to go. Th there is this change that overtakes us when we encounter this God. And that is 
how he fishes. And it's hard to believe. Reality. Like, that's hard. There's a little dissonance. I've even my whole life grown up kind of with this little suspicion of that equation. It's like, hang on. So if I believe, <laughs> as a fish, if I just believe, I'll just poof, become a bird. I'll just change. And it's like, yeah. But I understand why that is hard to believe. And so here's the good news is that God helps us with our doubt. He helps us with the wrestling of this reality. Um, and I believe the answer is actually found inside of the story. So I want to go back to the story. I want to go a little slower with it. Okay, so if this comes up on the screen, great. If not, just listen. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And it opens like this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Okay, so at what time and why was she running? So at, at that time, how it opens there, another translation says like quickly or immediately or after this or at that time, she gets up and goes quick to a place. What's the rush? Well, if you were here last week, you probably understand what happened right before this is an angel appears to her and tells her some pretty profound news, some pretty hard to believe stuff. Hey, uh, Mary, you are going to be pregnant and his name is going to be Jesus. He's going to be mighty. He's going to be holy and he's going to be the son of God. Got all that? And her response is, how? Because she's a virgin. And the angel kind of answers, I think, kind of funny. He, he really doesn't give her a clear answer. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child will be holy and the Son of Man or the Son of God. I can't really comment beyond that. But look at Elizabeth. And it's this action of the angel pointing at Elizabeth that I want to highlight to you. He points at Elizabeth and he says, your cousin, who's like in her 60s and has never had a child, is six months pregnant. Is anything impossible for God? That's the context of that question. Now, what that moves her to do is get up rather quickly and go to Elizabeth. I believe, personally, here's why. I believe that from the text, Mary seems to have believed this message to an extent. But I think it was a weak belief, or if you want to say maybe like a frail one, you know, like brittle, like easily broken, right? It was real. It was true. She believed this, but it needed to be strengthened. It needed to be wrapped around. It needed to be built up because this is a big thing to carry. So what God in his kindness does is gives her another place to go to be strengthened by that. And it's of all the things in the world, her cousin, an older cousin, but still a, a relative. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Of all the people on the planet that could have been pregnant with John the Baptist, God chose his mother's cousin so that she would have one person on the planet, maybe one person in all of history that would maybe understand what was going on. That's The kindness of God towards Mary in this is, is so beautiful. But what happens next, I think, is really what I want to show you. So Mary arrives. Um, and when she gets there, this message is delivered through Elizabeth by the Holy Spirit to her. So a lot of stuff happens all at once. Mary says, like, hey, and, and that's, like, all it took, and then, boom, like, four things happen. So the baby inside of her leaps with joy. She's filled with the Holy Spirit, and she begins to, to proclaim something. So she has a message, right? Now, the message is weird. I have been around a lot of people that are good at guessing, like women that are good at guessing when someone's pregnant, you know? Like, they walk in, and it's like, girl, you're pregnant. You know, it's like two months on. I'm like, how'd you know? You know, it's like, I don't know. It's just crazy. That's not what's going on here, okay? This is not a good guess. This is not like a, even the supernaturalness of knowing that Mary was pregnant in the state she was in. Yes, that's a miracle, and yes, that was for Mary to know. But the real surprise, 
is that she knows that she's pregnant, and that's a good thing. You guys ever had a friend that was pregnant and not married, and the first thing you do is just, this is from God. Okay? Right? And that's in this culture where there's a lot of help, there's a lot of room, there's a lot of space. In that culture, look, listen to the joy that comes firing out of Elizabeth. All she saw was, oh, this is good. Oh, this is from God. Oh, blessed are you. What? Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believes that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. The real miracle is not that she knew she was pregnant. The real miracle is that she knew it was good. And Mary needed to see that. Mary needed to be, to have what God was doing revealed to her for what it was. Good. In his plan. In his timing. So I'm going to review real quick. It's hard to believe. Um, We have a hard time believing that God will really do the things he says he will do. And we have a lot of good reasons for that. These women had the same reasons. These aren't like supernatural superheroes, okay? These are just random women who happen to be pregnant and were confused. And why they believe is what I want to show you. Notice what's different about them compared to us. God's Holy Spirit enters into the story. And when he does that, they respond by believing. So I'm going to say what God did about eight or nine different ways so you understand why when I say God filled uh, Elizabeth with the Holy Spirit and, and helped them, I want you to understand that this is how we say it in different ways, okay? The answer is this. God helped them believe by helping them with his Holy Spirit or changing them or filling them or spoke to them, or came to them, or revealed the beauty of what he was doing to them, or helped them believe, or had a friend come along who knew God. Like, like whatever phrase you use, the, the important thing that I want you to understand is that it was the, the God of the universe that was actively involved in them seeing what was going on, that he did what it took for them to believe. He helped them. And this is who he is. In his nature, he is a God who longs for you to see him as he is. Because if you do, you will go to him. And look at the commitment so far in this story of God to humanity so that they would see. Look at this. We've got a barren old lady who's now pregnant six months. I don't know if you've ever seen a 65-year-old woman pregnant. I haven't. No, serious question, have you? That'd be weird, right? Okay. Old woman, pregnant, six months along. This is God showing the nation, look what I'm doing. The child comes out, is filled with the Holy Spirit from from birth. His name's John, and he's a herald of this coming king. God sets up literally a prophet to make sure that people didn't miss it. He sends two angels, actually a a third time if we count Joseph. Like He is actively pursuing that we would see this is what I'm doing. And we have not even mentioned the fact that God Almighty has poured his very nature into the vessel of a human that is now dwelling inside the body of a small little girl so that he would become a boy who would become a man who would dwell among us and tell us who God is. We haven't even touched on the incarnation. Do you see God's nature is to help you see? 
He's a revealer. It's what he wants for you. It's who he is. You see, if we are beneath the waves and we cannot reach the world beyond us and we cannot help but swim when we are commanded to fly, then we are doomed and without hope. But if there is a God who enters into this world, who comes down to speak with us, to show us who he is, then we have hope. Do you believe that that's possible? Is anything impossible for God that he says he will do? Do you believe that? If you do, you'll be blessed. Now, I think it's important for us to understand while this is the nature of God, there's also this other equation that's going on that's important. We cannot do this ourselves. If we could, we would have already. What's important to understand about this story that's not really explicit but is implicit is that all of it is predicated on God speaking to these women and helping them see. That's implied in this story. These weren't like particularly religious women that like went and searched the scriptures for hours and weeks and months and time and then finally went like, aha, I'm pregnant and it's from God. Like that's not how this happened. God came to them and revealed to them what was going on. And how did he do that? Well, the, the text says the Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth. What does that mean? Well, there's about five things that every believer can absolutely agree on when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and this is enough for us to worship God about. There's a lot of other stuff we can talk about. I want to just stick with these five things. First, the Holy Spirit is God himself. Uh, One of the triune Godhead, in nature God, but in person distinct. If it's complicated, great, you understood me correctly. (laughs) But it's important to know that he is God, God himself. Second, what's important to know is that uh, the function of the Spirit seems to be to reveal Christ. If you will, he is Christ-facing and self-effacing. He comes to show us who Jesus is, full stop. Third, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit routinely shows up in moments of uh, what are called uh, big moments in redemptive history. Okay, so in God's big plan, there's these moments where God doesn't want people to miss it. And so he will pick someone and fill them with his Holy Spirit and do something through them. Whether that's a miraculous sign or in this case, a message, if you will, a prophecy. Thus says the Lord. That's, that's the kind of thing that's going on here. A message coming from God through a person. And I believe in this sense, that's what happened to Elizabeth. She was filled to reveal what was going on in this moment of redemptive history. Fourth, after Christ rises from the dead, Jesus makes it crystal clear that if we do not have the Holy Spirit abiding in us, we are not his. And this is what I really want to focus on for a minute. In John chapter 3, he says, you cannot enter the kingdom unless you uh, are born of the Spirit. The language that's surrounding abiding is is commonly like the language that's surrounding like new creation. So you were one creation and now you're a new creation. Uh, Resurrection is a word that's commonly used in reference to this in the Bible. And again, this, every Christian believes that we must be born of God's Spirit. So I'm going to put it in a little bit more frank terms. You're a fish and you need to be transformed into a bird. This is how he does it. And it is not a liver shiver. 
It is not a feely feel during worship. It is not an emotional moment while you're reading your Bible. It's not some moment that you have breakthrough or you're listening to a song. Maybe that's God's spirit. I hope so. But this is something distinct. This is as strange as a fish becoming a bird. And you must have that happen to you in order to enter his kingdom. But if you can tell it is God that wants this for you more than you do. It's necessary. It's required. And fifth is that the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit also leads us to become more like the new creation we've been made into. If you will, it strengthens us and directs us in what direction to go. It, it, uh, one of the illustrations is of, of fruit coming out of us. So like we're a tree. It's been recreated into this new tree. And it, we're being filled up by God's Holy Spirit. And it's helping us produce the things that God wants us to do. The fruit of obedience and, 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 and love and kindness and joy. And again, if you will, it's as if we've been taken into a bird, we've been lifted up in the air, and the Holy Spirit lifts us and carries us, tells us where to go, provides for us as we go. And I think, importantly, when we dive back down into the water trying to be fish again, trying to find comfort again, trying to find pleasure again, trying to find provision again, he, in his kindness, lifts us back up, dries us off, and sends us on the way again and again and again. That's what he does. So those things are settled. There's a lot of other stuff we can talk about, but that's enough for us to sing and worship God for today. And so let's just stick with that. What's important for you to understand is that apart from God's work in you, you cannot believe that God wants to work in you, which is crazy. That's what I believe this story is showing us, that we need to be changed in a deep and real meaningful way. So when Elizabeth was filled with God's spirit, it was as if a glass uh, vessel, like a cup, uh, is filled with liquid light and out of it shoots light because it's just what's in it. Both of them are blessed, but it was God that helped them to believe. Both of them. Both the one that was filled and the one that received the message. Okay. So this story is confessing three things for us. And it's inviting us to believe three things. First. It's confessing that without God's help, we will not believe he will do what he says he will do. Second, we're not without hope. Because God longs to help us believe he will do the things he says he will do. And then third, those that do believe who have been helped by God are blessed. Now, we can move right to, so what do we do? But I really want to show you one, one more thing that this tells us about God, about his love for you. When I met my wife, she thought I was awesome, like really, really cool. And I've proven that to be totally true. Uh, no, I've not. Uh, when you meet somebody and they think that you're awesome, it just, it's magnetic. It's just, there's something about, like, you could flatter me it, into doing anything. You know, like, it's like, like that, that, that mag magnetism of being liked by somebody, it makes you like, yeah, I guess they're all right, too. You know, like that. Whatever that is, that first interaction of love, obviously, different. she's, she's very, uh, despite myself, she loves me to be built on something richer. But you know this is true with your friends, right? Like you've got a friend and they always come to you for advice. Hey, man, you're just so smart. I just not actually be that smart. You might not actually have the advice, but you really like this guy now. You know, like there's just something that changes about that. The manager that really, right, like the 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 person that thinks you're a great parent, 
that's probably the person that you don't mind spending time with. My point is this. Your love is not like his love because his love did not wait for you to sneak into his throne and whisper beautiful things to him and flirt with him and court him and tell him of his mighty strength and his great faithfulness and kindness towards you until his face turned to you and he said, ah, blessed is the one who believes I can do what I say. His love is absolutely categorically different than yours. You didn't give him a second thought. You didn't think about him at all. You were in the dark. You're not looking for him. You're not caring about him. And down, 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 the gaze of Christ comes and looks on you. The Bible says he first loved us. This is a love that's nothing like your love. It's nothing like your affection towards people. It's not like, you know what I would do? Leave. Especially if they were a stranger. I know, I owe them nothing. I'm not going to spend anything like that. And we see that in the way that he pursues. That this is, again, it's his nature to do this because it's the, the kind of love he has for you. Um, it, honestly, if there's one thing you get, that's what I want you to get this morning. Is that it's, it's who he is to, cha- to chase you. His love is deeper, stronger, more faithful. Because if you see that, if you really get that that's who he is, you're going to go to him. And I'm going to give you a quick equation here. Whether you are a skeptic of the things and claims of God or you are a believer for years, this is the, the, the only equation that really matters. If you are not going to Jesus, you do not see him as he really is. Because if you really saw him for who he was, you would go to him. He wants you to see him as he really is. And so what do we do with this? What's our application? Some questions It might help with that. Is anything impossible for God? Anything that he says he will do, is that possible? Let's take one very important one. Is it possible that he could forgive you? Is that possible that he could heal you of that broken place? Is, is anything impossible for God? Could he fix your family? I sure hope so. No, no, that's not what I'm asking. Is that possible? Is anything impossible for him? If he promises he will do it, blessed is the one who believes. So what have you done? How monstrous have you become in the dark? How deep have you gone into the depths? How much has that changed you? That you that you hate that no one else knows about, but you hate that you, and that's why you don't think God could ever love you because you know you. That you, take that and change that into a bird so that you could soar with him, that you could live with him, laugh with him, love him. Is anything impossible for him? There's a promise that he makes that I think is important here. Jesus says that all that the Father gives to me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. And it's as if he puts his arms down into the water and holds out his hands and says, if you will just come to my hands, I will lift you up and I will change you. And your concern is that when you get there, you're going to get in his hands and he's going to lift you up to the water. He's going to pull you out. And in all your gasping and all your your revealing of who you are and all the, the, the filthiness of what you've done in your life, as he looks at you, what will he see? fish. 
it's, it's just, I don't, this is useless to me. This is worthless to me. There is nothing beneficial for me to gain from this. Back you go. And what Jesus says is that anyone that comes to him and sets their life ever be cast out by him. I cast people away all the time. And he will never cast out one that comes to him, ever. The only requirement is to come to him. And as you do, as you set your life in his hands, he can take that and he can lift it and he can change it. He doesn't leave you there because he loves you too much, but he can change that and, and <laughs> if you will, cast you out to be a bird, to go, to go do the things you were made to do. And if you are struggling to believe this, the good news of this story is that he wants to help you. That's the whole point. He wants to send his spirit. He wants to uh, join with you in this. I mean, this is, the, this is like a star pouring himself into the vessel of a fish. He came for you. And if you think it irreverent to say that God would fill himself with the body of a fish, a fish has never disobeyed. Ridiculously irreverent. And yet he does it. Why? Because that's where you were. He pours himself into the body of a man, comes down to be with you, to show you who he is, wrap his arms around you and say, if you would come to me, I will not cast you out. And if you can't, I'll come to you and tell you the same. I'm here now. If you'll come to me, I will not cast you out. Blessed is the one that believes this. I mean, like joy to the one that believes that. This is good. That's a good life, man. Like that's what you want. You want to be found by him and taken and changed and thrown back out into a world where you can do the things you were made to do. So do you believe this, that you can be forgiven, that you can be changed, that you can be taken? Well, if you don't, he will help you. And this is where I can't help you anymore. I can't do this. I can't make you believe. I can't help you with this. And that's so cool. I'm done. It's like I've reached the surface. Right? And like those of us that are birds, we're there now. We're back at the surface. We're about to lift off and go. We're about to sing and worship God. Yes, this is who God is. Like, yes, I'm not a fish anymore. I'm different. I'm changed. I'm with him now. But those of you who are still fish, I can't change that. Like I can't, I can't make that happen. But he he wants to. And all you have to do is ask him for help. It really, it looks something like this. God, I believe that, kind of. Will you help my unbelief? And that is literally a prayer that a man said to Jesus in person, and Jesus did not despise that prayer. He said, I will help that. So this is where I can't help you further. But this is where we go to God for help. So if you join me in prayer briefly, we're going to sing, we're going to worship God for the truth of who he is and what he's done. And I pray that you would join us. And if you've never have, ask him for help. Father, we come to you and this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, set your hands on our, on our lives, Lord, that we would feel you uh, holding us and that in this moment we would hear you proclaiming that if we come to you, you will not cast us out. God, I, I pray that you would help us to believe that. Believe that with greater fervency, with greater urgency, with greater faith. Lord, those of us that are weak, that are 
weak in believing other things that you have promised, I pray that you would whisper to us, is anything impossible for me? And you would help us to answer no. You're faithful and good and true. God, we pray that you would help us to believe, and in believing, we would result in joy and in a life well lived. Help us to worship you for all that you've done and all that you are. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. Like us on your favorite podcast provider, follow our social media at Grove Church PSL, and check out our website, thegrovechurch.co.